Post-trade deadline edition, Ask LOJ. All the important questions you have about the Utah Jazz and the trade deadline, and it's coming up next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, Please hit the like button. That helps us out a great deal. Subscribe, hit the bell button. And if you're listening on a podcast, five-star reviews are appreciated. Just follow the show. To the everydayers out there, thank you so much. And for all you say hi to me at the games, love it, appreciate it. Got three people over in Phoenix who said hi, a lot of Jazz fans out there. All right, so let's go through all of the deals and the Ask LOJ today. What's coming up on the show? Great questions. Why didn't the Jazz try to get better? Why aren't the Jazz trying to make a run to make the playoffs? Could have the Jazz kept Simone and Kelly? Why did the Jazz move on from Ochai? What to expect from Taylor? Who benefits the most? Will we see Bryce Sensaba? How will the Jazz be for the rest of the season? Is this really all we could get for those guys? All right, so the two trades, in case you've missed it. The Jazz acquired Kyra Lewis Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and a future first-round draft pick for the Toronto Raptors in exchange for Ochai Abaji and Kelly Olenek. Kyra Lewis was a former first-round pick, little small point guard, hasn't really ever gotten a chance. Jazz might kick the tires on him just to see um, what's going on. Otto Porter, I don't know if he'll come or be a buyout at 30 years old. I'm not certain. He has not played a lot in the last two years. The Jazz acquired Kevin Knox, a second-round pick, the rights to Gabriella Procida for Simone Fontecchio. Um, Have heard, don't know anything about Procida, but actually have heard some positive things recently. Um, second round picks, really what the Jazz got here. Kevin Knox has bounced around um, from New York, Portland, and Detroit and not had a lot of success. He has improved his two-point shooting a great deal. I guess the Jazz could kick the tires on that one, but it seems like those tires have been kicked. So we'll see uh, whether Knox has, and he's a free agent at the end of the year. He plays the same position as Taylor Hendricks. I can't imagine, and Lucas Amage, I can't really imagine that he comes here and takes their minutes away from them. So really... What the Jazz acquired is a first-round draft pick for Ochai Abaji and Kelly Olenek. And they acquired a second-round draft pick for Simone Fontecchio. So let's get to your first Ask LOJ question. Why didn't the Utah Jazz get better at the trade deadline and try to make the playoffs? So I'll be honest. I expected we would have seen two different types of deals here at the trade deadline. I thought there was a real chance we would see both of these deals take place where the Jazz both moved Simone Fontecchio and Kelly Olenek and maybe Ochai Abaji. I'd been hearing that a little bit. And at the same time, got better. That they traded those guys, got maybe a pick for them. Could have, you know, Jordan was another name that was mentioned, but at the same time brought somebody back in a deal. There weren't really those guys that were moved that did that. So Gordon Hayward, for a lot of contract, was one who went to, Oklahoma City, and if he can get that leg right, all the injuries have been on the same side. They probably got better. P.J. Washington moved, so that could have been a possibility for the Jazz if they 
if PJ Washington was someone that they wanted to acquire um, and they thought that that was going to get a lot better, they, the Charlotte took back some contract and maybe the jazz didn't want to do that. Um, but PJ Washington, but on the other end, like PJ Washington is a six, seven, 230 pound kind of not sure what who's shooting 32% from three. Like that's not like a, I mean, he's a career 36% three point shooter, but this year has been a little sketchy and last year was 35%. So I think there's some still question marks on, on PJ Washington and Dallas gave up a first round pick for him. So that's pretty pricey. The real moves, if you're going to get better, were, were the jazz willing to empty up their coffers for Pascal Siakam and get him to resign the three tr- first round picks that Indiana traded earlier this year were the jazz could have the jazz done anything similar to RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly for Toronto for OG Ananobi. And again, you have to be the one team that does it, but, you know, the other, there weren't, those are really, when you look at the trade deadline, the players that moved that could have been in the Jazz Ballywick are PJ Washington, who I just kind of broke down. OG Ananobi, really strong, good wing player, would have been pretty neat next to Lowry. Did we have a package that could have been the same as RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Cookley? Um, and then Pascal Siakam, and could have we made a deal that would have had Pas- give up, you know, some of our, our picks? to get Pascal Siakam and then, but you got to make sure he's going to resign because he's a free agent at the end of the season. So I'm not sure that the market yielded great opportunity for the jazz to do that from what I'd understood. They, I, I ex- expected them to do that. I think that was the effort was to play a dual path here on the trade deadline. One that got them to get better. And the other that was to increase their asset evolution uh, on guys that they likely weren't going to bring back next year. And they did that. They just didn't get the other path going. So could have the Jazz. Why didn't the Jazz? I think that was the effort. I don't think the market yielded it. And um, so you end up trading three of your 10 rotation players and ending up with a first-round draft pick, late first-round draft pick, early second-round draft pick uh, in this upcoming draft where you really were not a participant at that moment. Could the Jazz have kept Simone Fontecchio and Kelly Olenek for the future? So, gosh, I'll be honest. This is like the one where I love both those guys. I like their games. Um, and you kind of think you wish they could have. So let's walk through it. And this was obviously a decision where I think the Jazz decided that they they, they couldn't have. So the one thing on Simone is the minute Detroit is calling for him and Detroit has $47 million of cap space, you realize there's a really good chance that Simone is going to get a high-level restricted free agent offer from the Detroit Pistons. And while the Jazz will have cap space also, if Detroit's really wants him, you may realize you're not going to match that deal. And if you know in all likelihood here on February 8th at the time or February 7th, that you're not going to match that deal, then you probably should move Simone and get something for him. If Simone's interesting. Like, I, I think Simone would be really, really good on a good team. And so had the Jazz been able to sign Simone to for a four-year, such-and-such million-dollar deal that was reasonable and the right number, I, I would have been all for it. I think he would be a nice starter until some guys get better, and then he's a terrific bench player, shoots it well enough. And that's a great credit to Simone, because as of this time last year, we did not know if he was an NBA player. And frankly, when the year started, we did not know if he's an NBA rotation player. So it's a super credit to Simone. It's also a credit to the Jazz organization for helping develop that. And yes, that's the decision that you had to make, is whether or not you thought you could re-sign him. And so I'm guessing at the moment in which they have the deal that Detroit's hovering, they kind of realized they're not going to. Kelly's the one 
that like every instinct in the world to me says you should keep Kelly. He's a great leader. He's got a great attitude. He loves to play the game. He brings energy every day. He might enjoy being an NBA player more than anyone I've ever been around. He's less bothered by the noise than anyone I've been around. So there's all these reasons why his veteran leadership and everything else would be really, really important. The problem is, I don't know how he plays for us. Taylor Hendricks was the ninth pick of the NBA draft last year. And Taylor Hendricks has a tremendous upside and needs to play. Like, this is part of our process. Our process is not trying to get to be the ninth pick or the ninth team in the Western Conference. Danny and Justin and Ryan have been really clear. The goal is to try to win a championship. And part of that would be having your ninth pick of an NBA draft develop into a player. So he's got to play at some point. Kelly was the one standing in front of Taylor Hendricks playing. And Kelly, at this moment, is better than Taylor Hendricks. So you can't just bench Kelly in a free agent year and say, well, Taylor Hendricks is playing because we drafted him and keep a locker room together. It doesn't work that way. So you actually, and then furthermore, if we're talking about keeping Kelly for the future, Kelly is, if Kelly comes back and you resign Kelly for all the litany of reasons I just gave you that he's the best, he's got to play. Well, if you have John Collins and you have Walker Kessler and you have Lowry marketed and you have Kelly Link, Taylor Hendricks never plays. Now, eventually, maybe one day Taylor Hendricks is the three, but it's not now. And so you need Taylor Hendricks to play. You need Taylor Hendricks to play so he can make the four plays he made last night and the 12 mistakes he made last night. And that's, and so, yes, I would have loved to have Kelly Olenek back. And I would have, Simone makes, Simone would have been the easier of the two. You decide you're signing him, that there's a market value, believe you can sign him and that the number is right. And you're going to sign him in the off season. You have the rights to him. He's restricted. Nobody else is going to match. You're not going to match. He's not going to get something that's too outlandish and you keep Simone for the next four years. That one, that was a decision that, that one, Kelly, unfortunately, I think the road ended on February 8th. There really wasn't a great role for him on this roster where the jazz franchise is after yesterday. There just wasn't. And so now Taylor Hendricks plays. All right, we'll continue. Great questions. You guys have done a great job. Uh, Why did the jazz move on from Ochai? And what do you expect from Taylor Hendricks? here in this upcoming uh, rest of the season. We'll touch on those things as we're just getting started here on Locked on Jazz. Friday edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Hyundai. The Murdochs have been in Utah for over 80 years and the Hyundai lineup of cars, just fabulous. We've purchased two Santa Fe's, have the Ionic 5, so I'm not just making stuff up. I've backed it up and have been super pleased with everything we have done with both the Murdochs and Hyundai. The Hyundai lineup starts with a little Kona SUV, gets all the way up to the gorgeous Palisade. The Elantra and the Sonata are the sedans for the dollar. The money you can get for that car, all the bells, all the whistles, everything you get, the safety features, my book, it's a no-brainer. And then you add the Murdochs customer service. Check it out. 4646 South State Street R or in Logan or Linden. Please email me first so that we can take care of you and get you uh, a VIP experience as you deserve over at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by eBay. It's time to make you win your fantasy league. That's right, with eBay and Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We combine for your eBay guaranteed fantasy picks of the week. Here's how it works. Josh Lloyd has the number one fantasy basketball show in the country ebay has the guaranteed fit for your caller so who are the guaranteed fits after the trade deadline for you in your fantasy team asur thompson the pistons overhauled their roster and we only hope that monty williams will bump asur back into a larger role 
Marvin Bagley III is Washington's likely center after Daniel Gafford was traded. So look at him. Taylor Hendricks, says Josh Lloyd. Top 10 pick could find a larger role. Cody Martin, maintaining uh, health permitting, could find himself in a stronger role. Charlotte with Gordon Hayward gone. And Benedict Matherin increases his role in Indiana now that Buddy Heald is out. That's all from Josh Lloyd, Locked On Fantasy Basketball. It's all brought to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. Want to make sure you have the guaranteed fit on your fantasy team as well as your guaranteed fit on your ride or die. Make sure your ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED Headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. With eBay Motors guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Get your eBay ride or die at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items alone. Exclusions do apply. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Locked On Sports Today is the first ever national 24-7 sports channel. It's up on YouTube. It's now also available for you on Amazon Fire TV. Search Locked On Sports Today. Let's get back to your Ask LOJ edition questions here. Why did the Jazz move on from Ochai Abaji? So this is really the biggest decision the Jazz made yesterday in the trade deadline and probably the one that's most controversial. The Jazz decided that a late first-round pick in the 2024 draft is a better prospect than Ochai Abaji at this point. Okay, that's that's a big statement. Now, Ochai has been in a pretty horrendous shooting slump. Like, if you take, he played 51 games, and if you take his last 26, he shot 25% from three in those. He was playing 18 minutes a night, Averaging four points, two rebounds, one assist, not having a very big impact on games. The shooting slump was actually more severe if you take it over the last 19 games. He was shooting 30% from the floor, 19% from three, three points a game in 17 minutes, two rebounds, one assist. I think the concern on Ochai was threefold. One, the lack of other stuff. Like he wasn't rebounding, assisting, going to the free throw line. I mean, he had not taken he had not taken a single free throw in any of it in any of his last eight games. It's like something like eight, whatever, eight times, like 120 minutes or something. He had not taken a free throw. Um, he also just was getting, you know, an assist and a rebound. Like there just were too many. 13 minutes, no rebounds, no assists, no steals, no points nights. 20 minutes, no points, four rebounds, no assists. 13 minutes, three points, one rebound, no assists. There wasn't any force from Ochai that was saying in his second year here in the league at 24 year, 23 years old that I'm about to demand 30 minutes a game. That that didn't seem to be taking place. Defensively, I mean, his body's great. Ochai's going to have a 10-year career. And, and really, the, the outcome's going to be interesting to see what he does in Toronto. In general, I like teams that get off players early. Um, if you have a guy, you have him in your house, you've given him a summer league to try to become your man, you have all these things with them, 
you need to know. Like, I would argue that we held on to Trey Burke maybe a little longer, and we may have known what Trey Burke's issues were and that he wasn't, and we could have gotten more for him. We ended up getting nothing for that asset, right? The worst thing could happen is that Ochai suddenly falls out of the rotation. You're playing other guys. He's not playing for the last 30 games of the year. His value is down to very little. And then you move him and don't get anything for him. That's what happened with Trey Burke is we, we waited long enough that we then didn't get anything for him. And you, you know, that was a 14th pick of a draft. that wasn't ours. It was Cleveland's, but we didn't, at least hopefully we got something now for him, got an asset. So I, I do like that. I think that's an important thing in this league that te teams move their asset while they still have value or other people intrigued rather than keep them out there long enough that they remove all doubt of that belief. And I don't know that Ochai would have done that. I, I, Ochai's body is so great at 6'5", 215. His, his personality is so awesome. His um, Who he is as a human, his desire to be right, his teammate, all those aspects of him lead me to believe he's going to have a 12, 13-year NBA career. I just don't know that it's going to be as a 25 to 30-minute-a-night starter. Um, and the Jazz clearly have decided that they thought that the late first-round draft pick, which is going to be super late, it's going to be 28 or 29, the way that's structured, was a better opportunity for the Jazz than Ochai What do you expect from Taylor Hendricks for the rest of the season? Last night might be, I mean, I hope he doesn't go one for whatever he did last night forever, but last night might be what we're expecting out of Taylor Hendricks for a while. So he made four plays last night that were, like, oh, wow, that's why he's the ninth pick of the draft. Incredible bounce pass to John Collins on a roll. The defensive play where he blocks Kevin Durant on a drive. He hits an outside three. He um, he has a rebound where he goes up about three feet higher than the rest of the crew that's on the floor to make the play. And at the same time, he's minus 13. He goes one of five shooting. He messed up spacing a multitude of times. He got shook severely by Durant after Durant had to pay him back. Fine. Um, Durant's one of the, you know, five greatest scorers in the history of the league. Um, he guarded KD last night, which is an incredible experience. So what do you expect from Taylor Hendricks the rest of the season? Played 17 minutes a night. I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't go up to about 22. Um, he grabbed eight rebounds, which is super. So you want to see that. He um, And he blocked a shot, as we talked about, the KD block, hit a three. And then he's going to make a multitude of errors. And you're going to, and he's going to make us, you know, we're a better team if Kelly Olenek was on the floor for the final 30 games of the season than Taylor Hendricks, but we're hopefully a better team in 2018 or 2028, excuse me, if Taylor Hendricks gets 20 minutes a night here for the next 30 games than if Kelly Olenek did. Um, and the Jazz have used the G League perfectly on him. He's played his G League games. He's in shape. He's been playing enough. He under, you know, he's been learning. His, remember that, like the difference between Taylor Hendricks and Keontae George is that Keontae George breaks into this league and has known since a freshman in high school he was going to be a pro player and has done everything in his life every day. Taylor Hendricks becomes kind of a late big-time recruit, third-best player on his high school team, third-best player on his AAU team, goes to UCF, and then suddenly midway through UCF realizes, oh, my gosh, I'm going to like not only be a first-round pick, I'm going to be a top-10 pick. And so I think when you, when you see that, it's just a really different world for him than what you expected, than I think what a lot of these guys got and what they expected. Um, and so Taylor's still learning. And there's just a lot he's got to pick up. And that's why this next 30 games is going to be very valuable for him to get 20, 20, 20 minutes a night. And it's going to be, you know, Will's going to have to manage it and figure it out. I, I don't know how you use him. I'm not sure coming off the bench and playing with Keontae and Jordan is actually the best spot for him. Will talks a lot about 
48 minutes of basketball, trying to figure out the best way to put it together for 48. There, there's a minor chance he starts. And you make him play the best players and defend, but also get to play with Chris Dunn, who's a veteran, and get to play with Lowry Markinen and understand how to do that. I think there's a chance of that. Um, it would probably mean John goes off to the bench um, or maybe that Walker goes to the bench and you're not starting one of those two. And I don't know whether that can work. All right, we're going to go rapid fire next. Can What does Keontae gain uh, George's role change? Will Bryce Sensabaugh get time? Uh, what did the Jazz really get was a question. Um, how bad will the Jazz be? Which I changed the way the question is. Um, and who benefits? So we'll just rapid fire this as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much for tuning in uh, today and all your great Ask LOJ questions of Locked on Jazz. We'll continue to get those for you uh, as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you in part tonight by Nissan. Nissan with the 2024 Nissan Rogue, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder, and the 2024 Nissan Armada. Nissan, the Rogue is perfect for city drives and great escapes. Class exclusive Google built in. You're always updating your assistant to call on almost anything. Gone are the days of connecting your phone. The 2024 Rogue is perfect midside crossover for your next adventure. The Pathfinder has room up to eight, extensive cargo capacity, advanced availability, four by four capabilities with 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 powers of towing. When adventure calls, the Pathfinder is there and the Armada will change you what you expect from a full-size SUV picture, a rugged 4x4 that can seat up to eight in first-class luxury and style. Tow bigger and explore further in the 2024 Armada. Take the Nissan Rogue, the Nissan Pathfinder, the Nissan Armada, and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. Continuing here on a great Ask LOJ edition. Let's go rapid fire. For you and see what uh, you have coming up for me on these questions. All right, does this change Keontae George's role? I I, don't, I think Chris Dunn is earned that starting spot and keeps that starting spot. He's done a wonderful job. I think Keontae's getting enough experience playing in the second unit and then closing games when possible. The only thing is, I think Keontae's minutes go up. Last night, Will Hardy played a nine-minute rotation, um, and Taylor Horton Tucker was a part of that rotation last night. And I think we're going to see Keontae suddenly jumping to, he went from 25, 27 to 30 minutes last night. I think we're going to see Keontae much more at the 30 minute mark the rest of the way. So part of this, these trades, I think clears about five or six more minutes a night for Keontae George. That's a lot if you're not starting, because if you come in at the six minute mark, there's only four, you know, you're not, you can't play the first six of either quarter. There's only really, uh, 36 eligible minutes to play in that stretch. And he's going to play about 30 of them. So I think you're going to see a lot more Keontae George. Will Bryce Sensabaugh get time? The Jazz late first round draft pick who's shown some real passing skills and done some nice things um, in the G League for the Jazz. Um, he is dealing with a hip issue right now. And that knee is obviously always a problem for him. In 13 games in the G League, Sensabaugh has, has done some nice things. He's averaging 20 points. Five rebounds, three assists early in the year in their kind of cup stuff. He was really passing it well. He's not shooting it as well as he did in the pro. He's one of the best shooters coming out of the draft. He's just at 32.5%. Um, it'll be interesting to see. There is a chance that, you know, Talon got that first run at opportunity uh, last night. Sensabaugh was not available. There is a chance the 28th pick of last year's draft, Bryce Sensabaugh, could start to get some of those minutes if Talon, you know, doesn't, figure out how to how to play in that role. He's kind of bounced between starting and playing the role. Um, his 
the usage rate for Sensabaugh at the G League was nearly 30%. So he's going to have to really change his game in the G League. He was a much higher usage rate even at Ohio State. So that'll be what's interesting. I think the Jazz are going to want to find out is if he's playing as the fourth or fifth option on the floor, can he make plays? Can he uh, be a space-up shooter and not have to do everything off the bounce, which is so hard in this league? He also, the five rebounds a game at 6'5 is super impressive. He's still just 20 years of age, um, turned it in October, right when the season started. What did the Jazz really get? Are these picks worth anything? Little sensitive and mad, but good question. So generally 11 through 35 in an NBA draft has the same 50-50 chance of hitting. Um, so, you know, if I took the metrics for the past, you, what you would say is the Jazz have two shots at getting a rotation player in the NBA. One, one of these two should turn out to be a rotation player. And if they get that, and then they've really, Simone and Kelly were going to leave, and Ochai, they've decided the other pick was more valuable. They think they've improved their future assets because one of these two picks should turn out to be a rotation player. One through 10, it's hits at a very high rate. 11 on hits at about 50%. You get a rotation player. Sometimes you get Giannis, sometimes you get Kawhi, sometimes you get Clay, and sometimes you don't. Um, and so, and a lot of times you don't. So that's, you're getting in, in the second round 30 through 35 still seems to really have value and seems to have an increased value as time's gone on. But after 35, it starts to fall off pretty severely. How will the jazz be on the court? The rest of the way will it be like last year when they cratered. I don't think it'll be as significant last year, really losing Mike Conley and not having a backup point guard option. The jazz still start done in Sexton. They still start marketing. They still have Kessler and Collins. You still have five of your better players. You did lose three rotation players. And one of the key things that you have done the most uh, as a franchise in one games is because of the fact that you, <clears throat> you've been playing 240 minutes a night of quality established basketball. And right now you don't have that. Um, and so therefore I think that's where the team is going to slide off uh, and struggle a little bit is that we just Taylor Hendricks is not, 240 minutes right now. Um, we'll see if Taylor can find a way to be 240 minutes. We're just going to be a little slimmer in that 240 minutes. I apologize. I'm going to cut the show short. I'm watching Google Maps. I have a plane flight today, and it keeps getting worse. So I'm going to cut the show short and get out. I think I've answered all your questions, but it is a little shorter than usual. And for that, I apologize. We gave you extra content yesterday. Go back and grab those other shows. This has been Locked on Jazz, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We now send you the first ever 24-7 national sports channel, Locked on Sports Today.